Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Do you use your GPS to go everywhere like I do? Well, if you plug in New York to L.A., your GPS will tell you it's a one-day, 15-hour drive. So how in the hell did three young men pull that off in a record 27 hours and 25 minutes. Home and home radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania on a Thursday, home and home. And we both remember the great movie, The Cannonball Run, back in 1981. Let's be honest. Ross probably does not. He's probably too young to remember the classic Burt Reynolds film, but I at least do. It was based on the drive from coast to coast, Ross. Do you remember Cannonball Run? Are you too young to remember the Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise, Roger Moore, everybody else that was in that classic? Not only do I not remember it, Dave, I never even heard of it until we got this guy coming on the show. Not only do I not remember, I never even heard of it. I don't know anything about it. You're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Let's get Doug on the show. Cannonball run, Uh, man. I was like, okay, uh, sounds good. Well, I get it now. I I get it now. Like, they drove across the country. That's cool. (laughs) But no, never saw the movie. Never heard of it. Don't know nothing about it. It's one of my all-time favorite movies, 1981. I am, I guess, a bit older than you. So that's the movie. That's the fiction. Why is it so great? What's so great about it? It's hysterical. I mean, Burt Reynolds is just hysterical. Dom DeLuise is this crazy character. Roger Moore is in it. Uh, Little Richard is in it. It's, uh, you know, fights and classic lines and hot chicks and shenanigans across the country. There is nothing not to love about the 1981 classic. I just, just, just check it out if you can. But that's the fake deal. Let's get to the real deal. Doug Tabbitt was one of the three young men who broke the record driving from New York to L.A. in 27 hours, 25 minutes. That's an hour faster than ever before. Doug, how you doing, my friend? You are probably way then too young to know anything about the movie from 1981. But I assume it's requisite watching before you do the actual thing, right? Sure. And before watching the movie, like any good movie, there's a book behind it. And that is a prerequisite to all things Cannonball to read Brock Gates's book, which he wrote in 2002, chronicling the real Cannonball race upon which the movie was based. Okay. Why is it called Cannonball? Sure. Uh, So there's a guy who in 1915 started setting uh, coast-to-coast records, usually sponsored by manufacturers, and his name was Irwin 
Cannonball Baker. So uh, he set over 140 records during his career. And Brock Yates wanted to beat his last record, which was set in 1933, L.A. to New York, in 53 hours. And so he revived this race and named it Cannonball based on uh, Irwin's nickname. So what's kept it so relevant and going on for all these years? <laughs> well, it, it disappeared from uh, the public eye. It, it really disappeared completely between 1983 and 2006. And Alex Roy wanted to prove that even in uh, modern traffic with uh, modern police tactics, that he could go faster than they went back in the 80s because Brock Gates said nobody could ever go as fast as they did back then, especially with all the traffic that's on the road now. So he essentially revived interest in it after he broke the record in 2006 and then subsequently wrote a book and uh, did a documentary as well. So after that, it kind of revived the cannonball fever and there's been a lot of underground races and a couple of records set since then. What's the uh, what's the route, Doug? What, what do you take? I eighty west? Like what what what's the route? Sure. So it's less about the route and it's more about the starting and ending points. The classic New York to LA race starts at the Red Ball Garage in Manhattan and ends at the Portofino Hotel in Redondo Beach. Both of which you'll see. Uh, I'm sorry. In the movie, they start from Darien, Connecticut. But um, you'll see the Portofino Hotel in the movie. And those are the classic start and end points. And those are still in existence today. So that makes it real easy to do a proper cannonball. You start at the Red Ball, you end at the Portofino. And as Brock said back in the day, the only rule is there are no rules. No, but my so, question is, what route did you guys take? What Like, what's sure. considered the fastest route? So... Historically, people took the southern route, uh, which is down through Oklahoma and Texas and New Mexico. Um, that was considered the fastest route. We decided to take the northern route across I-80. We know it better. We figure there was less traffic, less construction. Um, weather was a little bit riskier, but it ended up in our favor. So we took the northern route. And you averaged 103 miles per hour for an entire day driving. I've seen a lot of the video and there are mm -hmm. police in a lot of the videos. So I assume there was some sort of arrangement where they know you're coming and they agree not to pull you over provided they think you're somehow driving 103 miles per hour safely. Is that correct? How does it work? A absolutely not. Um, it's a clandestine effort. Our goal is to fly completely under the radar to not really draw anyone's attention, including law enforcement. Um, mm. So nobody knows we're coming. That's the whole point of it. And uh, we have a lot of countermeasures in the car and spotters and binoculars and all that. So we hope to be alerted to any potential law enforcement entanglements uh, before they know we're there and slow down to the speed limit. Do you, so, do you, uh, go ahead, Dave. So, but, but I swear, Doug, I've seen you pass cops in some of this video. W was that not from the actual race? Um, no, that was, but, you know, we were passing, um, we were passing them at, uh, at the speed limit. You know, they may have had oh. uh, speed, speed traps set up or something like that. But again, unless they catch you and say, oh, well, we got you on radar, then, 
you know, okay. it's just another car going by. I mean, they got thousands of cars passing them all the time. So. All right. So Doug, tell me the logistics, like you said, spotters and all that. So what car are you in? And you got three guys in the car and how long do yeah. you drive for? Give me like the, the uh, play-by-play. Sure. So the logistics start long before the drive itself. We need to pick the route. We need to pick the right weekend. We need to pick the ideal departure time. We have spreadsheets that show us uh, our ETA to each city. Um, and uh, so we want to avoid uh, traffic. And we have about we had about 18 scouts lined up in separate vehicles going ahead of us. So we had to line them up for the right time to spot for us. Um, we had to pick gas stops based on our estimated range. So we had gas stops about every 600 miles. We had to orchestrate those gas stops so that we could be in and out as quickly as possible. Uh, so mm-hmm. everything was rehearsed. We were practiced as a team. Um, and then once we get out on the, on the road, it's, it's really just driving. All right. I, I got to ask adult diaper. No, we, uh, <laughs> we take bathroom breaks, uh, when we stop for gas, that's part of the, the orchestration of a fuel stop is being able to get all of us to the bathroom while we're fueling. All right. So then my question, Doug is. Tell me about the guys. Tell me about the three guys, married, kids, like, cause, and that, that'll lead to my follow-up question. Sure. So Arnie and I uh, were the two drivers and, and the, the planning behind all this. Um, it was really Arnie's kind of brainchild. He built the car and put all the, the effort into it. Um, so he is married with two girls. Uh, I'm married with a, a stepson and Berkeley, our spotter, is 22 and single. Okay, so then the follow-up question is, what did your wife say about you guys doing this? A, just being gone for the weekend, let alone endangering people and society. Sure. Uh, Well, that's a common assumption and a fair enough one uh, based on uh, the numbers, but uh, I don't believe we endangered anybody, but... uh, that's a, 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 an ongoing debate, certainly. Um, Arnie's wife, I think, just kind of rolls her eyes at, at all of his antics. Um, she's certainly supportive. She knows he's a, a good and safe driver. Um, my wife is a rule follower to the T. She's not a fan of anything that is uh, willingly, I guess, breaking the speed limit, uh, even though she fully admits she doesn't drive the speed limit uh, really ever, as, as I guess most of us don't. But, um, you know, her concern, obviously, everyone's concern is for our safety. I mean, going out on the highway is is dangerous no matter how you look at it. There's, you know, what, uh, 40,000 deaths on on, uh, U.S. roads every year and and many more uh, times that uh, just accidents, fender benders, stuff like that. So any drive on the highway is dangerous, especially across country. Um, most people's assumption is that the faster we go, you know, we're being reckless or or more dangerous. But uh, our counterpoint to that is we are 100% focused on the driving itself. And in a properly prepared car that's built and made for Autobahn speeds with professionally trained drivers and 
100% focused on the road ahead and other drivers and potential risks that we are in fact safer than the average person going out there who's drowsy, who's texting, who doesn't really want to be driving and isn't paying attention, who has bald tires, you know, all the other things that contribute to less than optimal situations. Doug, there is no question you guys are safer than 75% of the drivers I see out there on the highway every day. Just for kicks, the last time I went shopping with my wife, I said, "I'm while you drive, I'm going to count the amount of people texting while we drive. It was at least three quarters of the drivers on the highway. It's terrifying yeah. out there. It, uh, it as for real. the road, yeah, as for the road trip. Now, for me, there's two essentials of a road trip. The tunes and the snacks. What were they? Uh, the tunes were uh, chatter from the police scanner and the CB radio. Uh, the snacks were uh, very minimal, actually. We we don't eat much on the drive. The less we take in, the less we have to uh, uh, expel. Um, so really just some protein and granola bars, um, some chocolate-covered espresso beans, a few energy drinks, a little bit of fruit, and some nuts. I mean, that's that's really it. Um, so then my question would be, did you guys get any nap or fall asleep or you just all caffeinated up for the whole 27 hours? Sure. Um, our adrenaline and focus keeps us going most of the way. Uh, we took a couple of cat naps. Uh, I got the most sleep because in uh, Colorado, we were stuck behind a sheriff at like 55 miles an hour for about an hour. So I took that oh. opportunity to fall asleep. So what do you do when you're parked, when you're stuck behind a police officer? The rest of us are losing our mind. I hate when I get stuck behind a cop. You don't like alter the route then and try to get around that guy. You just got to deal with it. Yeah, there's there's really no alternate route um, unless you're in a city that has, you know, two ways around it. But uh, it's it's pretty much you're just you're stuck there. And it's oh, that super frustrating because you can see your average speed dwindling. Yeah, like every 10 minutes or so it goes down a 10th and you're just like, come on. That's like me watching the meter and a taxi cab in New York city, just making me crazy. What's your job that allows you to do this? And what is it like driving around on a normal day with the rush that you got for 27 hours during this drive? It must be really boring. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, no, I, I, I enjoy driving. Um, even at the speed limit, uh, my business is buying and selling high-end cars. It's called Switch Cars. So I get to experience cool cars on a daily basis. And um, cars are fun at, at pretty much any speed, uh, especially older cars. I have a lot of cars from the 80s and 90s that aren't crazy fast. So they're a lot of fun and a good driving experience, even at you know just normal speeds around town. So you might have just answered it, Doug, but my question was going to be, so like, so what? Like, what, what do you get out of it? What's the point? And is the point just the uh, personal sense of accomplishment or has there been value in it for your business because you were able to just plug it on this show and other shows? Sure. Uh, there's certainly good exposure for the business. Uh, obviously, it's tough to measure any conversion from that. Um, I've had dozens of clients that I haven't spoken to in a long time reach out to me. And of course, that provides uh, new leads and opportunities. Uh, 
Um, other than that, it really is just personal satisfaction. It's it's a challenge that's kind of born into people who are nuts about cannonball. And it's one of those things that we want to prove to ourselves that we are able to do this, that we're the fastest cannonballers out there. And, you know, obviously it's, it's gratifying as well to receive the accolades of others. But, you know, that's not why we do it. We do it because we want to do it. Okay, so what's next? And knowing that you were behind a cop for an hour, I assume you're determined now to break your own record. Not at all. Um, there's always variables and always things that slow you down on a drive. And, you know, if we weren't stuck behind him, something else might have gone wrong that would delay us further. So there's always something. Um, you can't drive 2,800 miles without having uh, traffic or a, a something that will delay you uh, no matter what it is and i don't think with another five tries we could go faster and even if we could it's not worth it uh, we did what we set out to do we set an incredible time um, we did i think the best that we could with the team the equipment uh, the weather and all the variables and we're happy so we're we're retired nothing uh, nothing beyond this all right last one doug uh so what did you do when you got to L.A.? Did you, like, celebrate and have beers? Did you uh, go to the airport and fly back? Or did you just get there and say, all right, well, that was cool. Let's go drive back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty anticlimactic because, you know, in the movie, there's a huge party waiting for you and everybody, you know, drinks and parties all week. Uh, we just kind of got there. It was quiet. It was the middle of the night and we walked around and took some pictures and chatted with a local cop who happened to be patrolling the parking lot. And uh, as is Arnie's tradition, we went to Denny's. And as is my tradition, I fell asleep at, at the table because once I'm done a cannonball, I am cashed. I, I put everything I have into it and then I'm I'm out. So. I love it. Doug Tabbitt pulled off the world record 27 hours, 25 minutes in the 2,800 mile drive, the cannonball run. Congratulations, sir. Appreciate the time. Thank you guys for having me. All right, Ross, what kind of road tripper are you? See, I'm not like a have to make the time kind of guy. I'm kind of the, ah, if we got to pull over for 15 minutes, kids take a pee. I don't want to eat the food in the car even. I might take the extra five minutes to sit down and eat it. What kind of road tripper are you? Not that kind. I am the kind that I want to make good time. I want to be efficient. I want to get wherever we're trying to go as soon as possible. We eat in the car. We only stop to go to the bathroom when we're getting gas. I'm going places, dude. I got things to do with my life, okay? I don't dilly-dally. I'm not dilly-dallying Dave. I got places to go, things to do, people to see. So you're pretty tough, huh? Like, you you can't even let the kids sit down and eat a meal. Like, it's five minutes to eat a slice of pizza at the rest stop on the side of the highway. Yeah, you say that. It's more like 15 to 20 minutes. And why can't they eat it in the back of the car? They're not doing shit back there anyway. They can eat their piece, slice of pizza, whatever, in the back of the car. That's wasting time. Just gets the car so filthy and stinky. 
I don't know, man. Take it easy. Sometimes the the journey, it's it's not the destination. It's the journey. Isn't that what they say, man? And sometimes okay. the road trip can be a lot of fun. Okay. So take and time. so and, and and you're saying that 15 minutes at the truck rest stop eating pizza, that that's when the memories are made? Can be, man. Those places can be amazing. Send the kids into the store, give them like three or four dollars and just say, let's see what you come back with. Can be a lot of fun. There can be some random places that you pass by on the highway that you would never stop at that I would. Like if there's some weird, just bizarre store or sign or knickknack on the side of the road, yeah, I want to stop over and see that and spend the extra, you know, 15 minutes here or there. Well, that's a little different. I mean, if if, if okay. you're if that's like to me, that's a little different. If it's something unique and cool and different, but no, they don't need to sit in the truck stop or the rest stop to have their slice of pizza. They can eat it in the car. And by the way, pizza smells delicious. The hell are you talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, but you don't want it to linger. I don't like when food smells linger. Like I like the smell of it right then and there, but I hate when even Chick-fil-A, right? If you get Chick-fil-A and then you eat it, I hate when that smell lingers. And sometimes like fast food just tends to leave a mark and stick around your car a few hours, even a few days. And I don't want that as good as it is. I need it to leave and get out my car. You got me? Yeah, I understand, I guess. Uh, how does your wife feel about that? I would say I would say we are similar road trippers in all regards. She's probably in a little bit more of a hurry than me, but we're pretty similar in terms of taking our time. We're out of time right now. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Throwback Thursday, where we're going to take a look back at a significant sports moment and how it resonates now here on Home and Home with OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. How was it when Cleveland snagged one of the most talented wide receivers in the game? And of course, how does it sound so much different now? Quick break uh, before... Uh, we get to Throwback Thursday. But right now, Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But then he switched to ZipRecruiter. He saw an immediate difference. And you can, too, by signing up for ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. No wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. You got to check them out. They are the smartest way to hire when we come back it's throwback thursday with odell beckham jr and the cleveland browns we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Just had Doug Tabbitt on the program who broke the cannonball run record driving from New York to L.A. in 27 hours, 25 minutes, shaving more than an hour off of the all-time record, the Cannonball Run, one of the great all-time flicks, 1981. Doug is actually a Cleveland native. That's where he joined us from. If you missed that interview, check it out on demand. Uh, We're going to go back into Cleveland now because it's Throwback Thursday, and nothing is more central to the city of Cleveland right now than the Cleveland Browns. That is until they trade one of the greatest baseball players in the game today, but that's for another day. Right now, it's all about Baker Mayfield, OBJ, Freddie Kitchens, and where this organization goes from here. Remember, this was the team on the cover of Sports Illustrated. This was the team a lot of people thought were going to win the Super Bowl this season because they had such a talent-laden roster. It being Throwback Thursday and all, let's go back to when the Cleveland Browns first signed Odell Beckham Jr. made that trade with the New York Giants and excitement was through the roof in Cleveland. 92-3, the fan. Yes, indeed. The impossible has become possible, Dustin Fox. Adam? Here he is. Odell Beckham Jr. is a Brown. The one move that we said would change this offseason that would take the Browns from a contender to a potential division winner. Playoffs. Playoffs, baby. Playoffs. 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 They're the third favorite in the AFC. Dude. Now, when we have seen Odell and Baker work together, they've looked amazing together. I mean, they look like they've been together for a long, long time. I think right now John Dorsey's the leading candidate to be the 2019 uh, executive of the year. This is the team to beat in the North and will be. This is the chase. This is the team that's going to be chased now. This is the new Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not saying they're the Steelers, but this is the team wherever you go and say, oh, Pittsburgh going to win that division. This is how I feel about Cleveland now. I, I, to me, it's almost like, okay, you got you have the three teams. Good luck on the chase. Cleveland is the heavy favorite. I don't know how you're going to defend them. I don't. If the Browns go 7-9, and nine, it's a disaster. Even if they go 8-8, eight and eight, I kind of think it's a disaster. Baker was supposed to be this, you know, spoiled punk kid that, you know, can't uh, be mature enough to handle any type of responsibility. John Dorsey uh, doesn't know how to manage a salary cap and has no people skills. Uh, And Odell Beckham is this prima donna, whatever, you know what I mean? Malcontent, pain in the backside. And and it's been the exact opposite. These are the guys we're going to battle with, whether it's you know, the 53-man roster or the practice squad. And it's exciting because now it really feels real. And then you get through the preparation. You've had your mind on this opening op- opponent you know, since the schedule came out. 
But then there's an anxiousness. Once you got the hay in the barn, so to speak, there's an anxiousness because you're wondering, okay, how good are we really? 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Listen to them anytime on the radio.com app. The excitement was palpable. People were jacked for OBJ, one of the top five receivers in this game, coming to the Cleveland Browns, who already had weapons around this offense. Ross, what could have gone wrong? Well, and in fairness, you know, those hosts, those fans, those callers, they deserve to be excited. Odell Beckham Jr. is a tremendously talented player, an exciting player. You know, they're looking at a Browns team that was 7-9, and nine, and Baker Mayfield hadn't even started the first few games last year. And several of those games had been with Hugh Jackson. And I think they thought, man, you get all that, and now we add a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., we're going to be rolling. And I don't really blame them for it, but what could go wrong is you could have a head coach that seems like a good-natured guy, but he's in over his head. You could have a quarterback who endures a sophomore slump and also continues to talk about things he just doesn't know what he's talking about, thinks he's knowledgeable about things he's not, and you could have an oft-injured, oft-unhappy wide receiver become, wait for it, injured and unhappy like Odell Beckham Jr. Yes, and that has been the story for Odell Beckham Jr. And now here we are with the latest reports out of Cleveland that in the month of October, he was telling teams, opposing teams and coaches to, quote, Come get me. There's this great video out there. If you haven't seen it, check out the Twitter feed NFL memes in which Odell Beckham Jr. is talking to Jimmy Garoppolo, the Niners quarterback, with his hand over his mouth. And that's what draw so much suspicion to this video. It sure looks like the perfect situation. It was in the month of October when OBJ may have been telling Jimmy Garoppolo, to come get me. Get me out of here, man. So let's get to the TBT part of this. We heard then, what does it sound like now on 92.3, the fan in Cleveland? If, if they had come to the season and we expected them to be a six-win team, and lo and behold, here they are at six and seven, with a chance to get to seven and nine or eight and eight, we'd all be sure. thrilled. Yeah. We, everybody had higher expectations. Deservedly I, so. And I think, well, I, but I think that, I think there's something we missed. Yes, it is the most talented team in Cleveland since they've come back, bar none. Probably the most talented team they've had since 94. But culture isn't built overnight. No, and I don't know if Freddie can build it at all. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you can't you can't wear a Pittsburgh started it shirt. <laughs> and then and then that's like ten days after being like, hey, we know what we did wrong here. That's yeah, right. just you can't, Freddie. God love you. If the Browns are gonna move on from Freddie Kitchens as a head coach, they're gonna know who their head coach is before the last before the final whistle ended in the last game. They're not going to put themselves in the position where they do a, a drawn-out coaching search like they did the last time. Uh, Dorsey's not stupid. He's uh, going to sort of work behind the scenes, make sure he gets his man, and more importantly, may negotiate his own spot in the organization or retain his power. 
it's taxing on, on everybody, but the constant... Do you realize that we don't get to enjoy a victory because it's always something else? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It, it, it yeah. Really and I'm not blaming that on the fans. It's always something else that, oh, we won a game, and we're so focused on, you know, Baker this year has been media, he's been the doc, team doctor, he's been the general manager, he's been the wing. I mean, it's just a constant barrage. And I'm not just saying him, everybody, which tells me who's in control, man. I, really, I, I don't know Freddie well. I, I'm just trying to figure out who is in control of the football team. We're enough of the talk, man, enough of the distraction talk. So it's almost like the distractions. Let's talk about all this other stuff to take away from the fact that we're not a real good football team. But I, they don't... 92-3, the fan in Cleveland. It's the quintessential Cleveland story. You have to feel bad for them. It did feel like this organization was headed in the right direction, and now even when they do win, it still feels like a loss. But I think it's good news that Odell Beckham Jr., has told teams, players, coaches, whomever it is to come get me. Look, he still has generational talent. It clearly doesn't work there. It clearly doesn't work with Baker Mayfield. Jarvis Landry is the type of wide receiver he works well with. Now they've got David Njoku back healthy. He likes to look his way. Remember Baker Mayfield, before OBJ came to town, broke the all-time NFL rookie record for passing touchdowns and threw no more than four to anybody. That's clearly the type of quarterback Baker Mayfield needs to be. They need to trade Odell Beckham Jr. I guarantee you Philadelphia and the Patriots, if they want Tom Brady to stay, will come knocking, Ross. Yeah, so a couple thoughts here. Number one, I'm not ready to bury Odell in Cleveland yet. I'm not ready to say it hasn't and doesn't work when he's been dealing with a sports hernia the entire season. He's still going to catch over 60 balls for over 1,000 yards, and that's doing it the entire season without really, I'm guessing, ever being able to practice because of this sports hernia, which I had my senior year. Um, It's a real pain. And I actually, literally, and I actually applaud him for fighting through it and playing all year. You know, the Eagles only got one game out of Deshaun Jackson with a similar injury. You know, a core muscle sports hernia injury that needs surgery. And maybe Odell Beckham Jr. hasn't been exactly what they were hoping for, but he's delivered a lot more this year to the Browns than Deshaun Jackson had to the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think on some level, you know, Odell deserves some credit for that. And I'm curious about two things. Really curious, Dave. Number one, you know, they gave up a decent amount to get Odell Beckham Jr. Are they really willing to move on after just one injury-plagued year and decide that it doesn't work? Or do they want to give it a second year? And if they did and were willing to move on, I'd be really curious to see what the market would be like for Odell. I'd like to think he'd still have a pretty good market. He's only 27 years old, very talented. But Dave, he's always hurt and he's always unhappy. And he makes a lot of money. 
So I, it doesn't smell to me like a Patriots move with the money Odell's making. And I'm not even sure it smells like an Eagles move with the money Odell's making. This will be a tricky situation for the Browns. Now, I'd agree with you it does not sound like a Patriots type of move. Uh, although they did make that one move late for Randy Moss, they gave up virtually nothing to do it. They almost never go for a high-profile wide receiver, let alone a high-paid one. I just believe there is only one way to keep Tom Brady in New England. Now, the X factor is we don't deep down know if Bill Belichick wants to keep Tom Brady around at his salary next season. That's really the great mystery. His dad even weighed in on that a couple of weeks back, saying he's not sure what Bill Belichick wants in the end. I just think there's only one way to keep Tom Brady in New England if that's their desired goal, and that's to bring a high-profile wide receiver to town. Oh, I just can't see who else that is. Yeah. All right, so Dave, you think that Tom Brady wants to play somewhere else next year? I think he is probably going to call it a career other than staying in New England. And I think the only way he stays in New England is with the high-profile wide receiver. He doesn't look like he's loving it right now. Just doesn't look like he's has that same thrill to play the game that we're used to. I agree. So let's play a game, okay? Yeah. Okay. Percentage chance that Tom Brady plays for the Patriots, Tom Brady plays for somebody else, and Tom Brady retires. Okay, I think there is a... Uh, I, I, well, I, I would say I think the likelihood, I can't put an exact number. I think if I were to bet, number one option, he retires. Number two option, he stays in New England. They give him some receiving help. And number three is he goes to play somewhere else. I just can't find the location. I just can't find the right situation for Tom Brady to go play next season. What's your rank? Um. Well, I don't know why you didn't want to play along with the percentage thing, but I'm well, going to do the percentage explain thing. Explain <laughs> what you mean by the percentage. I, I guess I don't know what you mean by percentage that he does something. So explain, and I'll, okay. and I'll weigh in. All right. So I think there's like a 5 to 10% chance he plays for another team next year. I would say I think it's – other than that, the other two options I think are pretty even. So I'll say 5% chance. He plays for another team. I'll say 50% chance he plays for the Patriots. 45% chance he retires. That would be 45 my guess. 45 chance. Okay. And and can you find one situation that you think he could play in next season? I heard my Denver Broncos mentioned. I think that largely depends on Drew Locke. So I don't think that's an option. I think if you're Tom, you want somewhere you're comfortable living someone that has a chance to win a Super Bowl, that has a talented roster, and a coach you like. And I just can't put all those pieces together. There were some rumors about the Tennessee Titans, but given the success of, of Ryan Tannehill right now, who's playing like a top-five quarterback, is clearly playing better football than Tom Brady. Rule that out. Rule San Francisco out. Jimmy Garoppolo has looked good enough. I can't find one situation that seems to have all the things he'd be looking for. Well, and because of everything you just said right there, and I think Tom's smart enough to know his legacy, smart enough to know how long he's played football, I don't think he really wants to play elsewhere. I, I really don't. I, that, that would surprise me. Now, look, 
I think Tom Brady's fantastic. And there's the age-old argument, Brady, Belichick, who's more important? I would love if Brady went somewhere else and had a terrific year and maybe even won the Super Bowl or, or had a lot of success. I just don't see that situation happening because anywhere where they're really good, they already have a quarterback. You know, so I just, I don't see a spot either, Dave. I'm with you. And I think ultimately it comes down to how Belichick feels about Jared Stidham. I think how Belichick feels about the backup quarterback in New England, whether or not he thinks he'll be ready next year, I think that's, that's, that's a big part of this. Well, let me ask you this. Where's Josh McDaniels next year? Because I don't know. I mean, does he convince another team that what happened with the Colts is never going to happen again and that next opportunity he's ready to jump in? So let, let me just lay out something out there. So David, David Tepper, billionaire, owner of the Carolina Panthers, what if he wants to go get Josh McDaniels? What if he wants to unload a truck of money and gets a commitment from him to go uh, coach Christian McCaffrey? Then could you see a situation like that intriguing, Tommy? Well, I do think McDaniels wants a head coaching job and wants to leave. And I do think McDaniels probably does leave this offseason if he can get another team to hire him. Maybe it's the New York Giants. Maybe it's the Carolina Panthers. Those are certain, maybe it's the Dallas Cowboys. Those are all options. The only one of those options where I could see Brady going is Carolina. And I still don't, I still don't see that happening. I, I, I just, yeah. I mean, maybe, <laughs> but I'm trying to, <laughs> I told you it was 5%. So I don't, I don't think it's happening. I think he would retire before doing anything like that. Yeah, I'm trying to talk myself into Tom Brady in a Carolina jersey, and I just can't do it. And I look at the other organizations that will be in need of a quarterback, and the coaching situation's got to be right. The receiver situation's got to be right. Come on, Bill. Just go get Odell Beckham Jr. Give me some intrigue next season. We're not sure if it'd work, but it sure as hell would be fun. Would love to see it. All right, so we're about out of time. Tom Brady's about out of time, and you are about out of time for the Christmas shopping season. What's your big dilemma here? You know, every year my wife says she doesn't really want anything. And she comes up with something like the Hawaii trip we just went on that, you know, she and the girls, that that was her Christmas gift. Yeah, yeah. And so we don't really discuss how many items to get the other person. You know what I mean? Like to me, it's not about the monetary amount, but rather when we're exchanging gifts, I don't want her to have six things for me and I have two things for her. I'm curious, how do you and your wife do it? It's exactly the same stress I go through every year. I thought my wife was the only one who said that who says virtually every year, come on, we don't need anything. We've got all this. We've got all that. Let's not get each other anything. And then often she goes out and gets four or five things that add up to a couple of hundred dollars. And I'm left there looking like an asshole. So I'm stressed out here with less than two weeks remaining, trying to determine if she's real 
in saying that because I don't know about your wife. My wife shops. She doesn't she doesn't hesitate to spend money. She buys clothes. Her friends use her closet as kind of a, a shopping mall. So she does get herself pretty much everything she needs. So I'm thinking this year she actually means it. So I will go for some sort of sentimental gift that won't cost a lot of money, but still shows some effort and some sentiment. But that is the stress. It is For me, it is about evening up, like, the dollars and cents. It's more like I don't want her to spend $600 and I spend 200 and the kids are judging dad. Well, and here's the thing too, Dave, I don't have anything I want. Like she said, she got me some things. I have no idea what they are. I don't want for anything. I got a house, I got a car and I got free clothes that I wear. That's about it. That's all I need. I mean, I, I don't need a whole lot other than that. So I have no idea what she got me. I asked for exactly nothing. I can't even think of anything that I would want. And if I do need something, it's like socks. And I, I got them a month ago. You know what I mean? Like I needed some nice dress socks. I need to improve my, my sock game. So I don't know. Now I might text her and say, how many things did you get me? And then maybe I'll go out and get her like, um, you, you got to get a dollar figure. No, you got to get a dollar figure. No, you think that's, no. you think that just takes the fun out of it. That takes the, the, the thought out of it. No, because like I, I get her a nice sized gift card for the Hershey hotel spa, the hotel Hershey spa. So I'm not worried about the money part of it. I'm just uh. worried about, I don't like when we're sitting there and she has six things and I have two. So it's like my turn, my turn again, your turn, my turn, my turn. No, no, no. It, it, it should be an even gift giving exchange. So I just need to know how many she got me. And then I can somewhat even it up after I figure out what else I would get her. Next show when we talk about this, I'll find out how many she got me. And then you can help me figure out some other gifts to get her. Yeah, I mean, it's just difficult because, I mean, how many things can we actually pull off, especially in a short span of time? I mean, there are very few guys I know that will go out to a clothing store and pick out outfits and actually pull that off for their wife. I have done it from time to time. I'm not afraid to try it again this year. I usually find good luck when you go in the athleisure category somewhere like Yes, the aforementioned Lululemon or Athletica, when it's pretty easy and like you'll have a sales associate come up, you, you tell them kind of what your wife's into, they'll they'll set you up. But beyond that, it's just a crapshoot out there. What are you going to do? I mean, you can't go buy last minute jewelry. That never works out. That's got to be something planned long in advance. So there are so few options that are going to, to actually make them really happy on Christmas morning. Let's focus on the kids. I mean, it's to me, like, I hope, I hope it's one gift or nothing. And we can just keep all the focus on the kids. That's my Christmas wish. So this is a longer topic for another day because we're running out of time, but I, I have no idea what my wife gets my kids for Christmas. None whatsoever. That, that is a great topic 
for tomorrow. <laughs> We're out of time on a Thursday for Ross Tucker. I'm Dave Briggs. Just about two weeks shopping left before Christmas. We'll see you on Friday. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.